Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. No rest for the weary. We just left testimony with Luis Rivera uh, in the Charlie Adelson trial. 17 plus hours over two days of commentary and watching uh, Phil Waters telling Scott Duffy via text right now. Um, <laughs> Phil is uh, not a man you keep waiting, although Phil keeps us waiting every week with his Ferrari dealer. I begged and pleaded and told him that I apologize. It was out of my hands. Scott Duffy is here. I will have to send Phil Waters flowers. I did not expect Luis Rivera to uh, take the stand. We didn't expect any of this. So uh, it's been a wild ride and uh, I'll send Phil flowers, but um, shout out to uh, marking time. Look at these new members, Kelly Jansen, new member, wildfire, new member, Carlos Gonzalez, new member, Miranda Lee, new member, Vonda K, new member, rock and dock in South Carolina, a new member, uh, Scott Duffy, you actually have to leave early today, so we're going to do an abbreviated version of Great Scott, your true crime fill. The show so good. It happens every Friday with former FBI supervisory agent Scott Duffy. Look at that background. Is your Christmas tree up already? Is that a Christmas tree? I am Jewish. It's like a decorative tree. <laughs> it changes with the seasons. Wow. Well, is that, that looks a lot like a Christmas tree to me. Well, I, I did add, you know, I'll get started a little bit early, right around the Halloween time. There is yeah. Santa is crawling up the, tr the the ladder there, but it is um, it's beachy. It's got its buoys and it's. Yeah, I see, I see this. I see uh, like Santa Claus there. Um, so apologies again, Scott Duffy, because we were covering the Charlie Adelson trial. That is our original case, and uh, we are all over it, and we've been streaming the actual trial. We are headed up to Tallahassee, Steve Cohen and myself, on Sunday for more coverage next week. Luis Rivera, a convicted Latin Kings gang member, will be cross-examined by the defense. He's an interesting witness. Uh, another new member here, another uh, new member. Um, but I want to get your take. There's obviously a massive story going on. And admittedly, today, while I've been following it very closely, it was hard because I was doing this trial. But this mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine, it is the nation's deadliest of the year. Uh, it was first reported at least 22 dead. That number was revised down, thankfully, but it's still at a horrific number. 18 people killed uh, in these attacks, uh, they were carried out in two locations at a local bowling alley in northern Maine. Uh, 13 others injured. Some of those are critical, Scott Duffy. Uh, the suspect in this, the accused shooter, is a guy named Robert Card, 40 years old. He is still at large. Um, he opened fire at a place called the Just-In-Time Recreation Bowling Alley, Um Bowling, obviously, a family event. There were young kids there. Uh, then he went over to a place with a strange name, Shemengi's Barn Grill. And uh, it's a family-owned barn grill. The main medical examiner confirmed Friday that it identified all 18 victims. The youngest victim, the youngest victim, 14 years old, the oldest, 76. So this ravaged this community in Maine. How is he still on the loose, Scott? We saw this. We had Jan, obviously, in your neck of the woods, Danilo Cavalcante, who escaped. This is a mass shooter, um, and we'll get into his history a little bit. Um, 
how is he on the loose and what do investigators uh, need to do uh, each moment as it ticks away? Yeah, so a couple of differences here. And and all through my education, both on the job and then, of course, a lot of readings of of the the experts, so to speak, who put out information on somewhat of a regular basis with regards to mass shooters, right, and trying to understand their psyche, trying to understand what makes them tick. And then ultimately, unlike criminal uh, profiles that are done of serial killers or other serial criminals that have similar mindsets, you know, to some sort of common link, there really isn't one per se for a mass shooter because think about it, they're, they run the gamut from both genders. Um, they run the gamut of, of uh, different backgrounds, different cultures, different age groups. In other words, you name it, there's probably somebody that fits some unique characteristic or just, you know, whatever that um, has been a mass shooter in, in the last couple of decades since this has really taken on since Columbine. So with that being said, what's the difference here? Unlike Calvacante or people who flee, Calvacante fled a prison. His murders were intimate. Uh, in other words, they were domestic related. And uh, so he went to jail and he was convicted. And then he ultimately found a weak link in the prison system and escaped. So he escaped with what was just on his back, no money, no food, no water, and, uh, and then jumped into a vast wilderness that he was not familiar with. And, um, and then ultimately, when he got back to a territory in Chester County he was familiar with, he still didn't really have any, any uh, connections. You know, people were pretty strong to keep him, keep him at bay. So he was just spinning around. This guy, um, Card, this is uh, from what at least the intelligence, the early intelligence, again, was gonna was some sort of domestic that was brewing as a result of probably some co- decompensating mental status, and um, but but he's able to go into planning mode. So this is this is the difference. We have somebody that probably has provided, even if it's just a couple of months to a couple of weeks, he has the expertise and the intellect to plan well. So you're talking about somebody who planned these acts um, and has a, uh, an escape plan, which is rare. It's unique. But he has – so we, we don't know what he's put into that escape plan with regards to money, et cetera. But if, um, if he wanted to, from what it sounds like, especially up there, main, you know, with Maine territory, you can just roam – miles and miles with um, with wilderness and so forth. So right now it's the right time with regards to weather is on his side and and his ability to plan, his ability to fund that escape. This is why he remains um, not in custody. And it perhaps because I know there was a, a, a letter with regards to a possible suicide or at least a... Um, at least that's what's being reported. Mm-hmm. 
it could be some sort of goodbye only because, you know, anybody who usually enters into this type of uh, criminal activity usually does not have an escape plan. So thereby they're either caught very quickly or they die either by their own hand or in some firefight with law enforcement. So far, he has escaped the perimeter and it really comes down to do they or do they feel comfortable that he hasn't gotten outside um, whatever perimeter they have uh, currently in place. Yeah, and we saw that with Danilo Cavalcante, that perimeter moving around a, a lot of different times um, in different iterations. Wildlight Arts says, I lived in Maine for 10 years, only locked my door when I went away on vacation when I lived outside of Belfast. I miss the Maine Woods notion. This is so sad. Uh, we're getting an unconfirmed report. I'm monitoring uh, some news sites that the Scott, that this is interesting. The shelter in place orders have reportedly been lifted in Maine. This news just coming across like a minute ago. So shelter in place orders been lifted in Maine as officials continue their search for this Lewiston shooting suspect, Robert Card. Hunting season starts tomorrow statewide. It is going to be prohibited to hunt in this area, Lewiston, Lisbon, Monmouth, and Bowdoin, which are all the search areas. Scott, what does that tell you, though, that there – and there's a lot to talk about with just this one. I have so many cases that I prepared. But what does it tell you that they're lifting the uh, shelter-in-place order in terms of from an investigative strategic point of view? Would they do that if – they thought he was still in this particular area. It, it could mean a couple of things. It could be that how long can you actually leave a shelter in place order um, where, where at some point people are not st- starting to get antsy. So they're going to get out anyways. So you're, you're basically as a, as a government there to try to protect the masses are trying to say to, hey, don't go out, don't congregate. If you need to go out, you know, do what you have to do, but don't don't be congregating in public places because we already have two proven incidents where he went into two populated places. So they're trying to minimize those, right? Schools closed, businesses closed, nightclubs, whatever. Where Look at this. Hold on. Breaking news. The real breaking news. Look at this. I even offered to send him a Ferrari. Aloha. Aloha. So, so glad to have you, Phil. It's making my weekend, actually. I would have been, I was devastated. <laughs> Uncle Phil shunning me. Uh, we did become, you know, court TV over the last two days covering, it's our original story. So we've been covering the trial. Uh, Uncle Phil, all I can say is I love you. Good to see you. Nice Hawaiian shirt. Uh, we're talking about this shooter in Lewiston, Maine. Um Phil Waters, we're just getting news that's not confirmed that they have lifted the shelter in order, a uh, shelter in place order. Um, but the suspect is still on the loose. Uh, and I was just asking FBI agent Scott Duffy about that. Hunting season starts tomorrow, but there will be no hunting allowed in the area where this happened. Um, Scott was giving us his take. What's your take on the fact that the shelter in place order was just lifted reportedly? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting development. I would, I would say that they've possibly um, got a line on where he went. I think he left his car down at the dock, and he had a boat down there, and they think he may have absconded 
to the water and I mean they're Canadian borders are closed off. They're you know they're checking those and that stuff for the song. This guy, you know, he planned this whole thing out, you know, really, really well and uh, his escape route and everything else. So he knew where he was headed. Um, so yeah. I, I think lifting the order may be an indicator that they have verified that he's not in the area any longer. I don't know that. I'm just speculating, but uh, that's kind of, I mean, Scott, what do you think? I mean, I, I that's what it kind of By the way, Phil, just so you know, Marie Monopoly is just one of many. Is Phil coming on? Where's Phil? How's Phil? Frankie Figs, I love this one. Is Phil doing Lamborghini stuff again? Um, Lamborghini, Ferrari. By the way, just so you know what I deal with on a day-to-day basis, my son, who's four, he's on a play date, and I just got a photo, and he's in one of those Phil's going Phil's gonna to shake his head right now. He's in one of those Lamborghini SUVs. That's what I deal with. He's in the back. You know those SUVs, Phil? It's a Lamborghini. Oh, I do, but, you know, Ferrari has made a, for the first time, they don't call it an SUV, but it's the crossover look, blah, 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 but it's a Ferrari, and it is beautiful. Mm. Mm, I'll have to see this. Uh, shout out to Tali coming to us from uh, Warren Torn, Israel. Hope she is doing well. Scott Duffy, I'm going to get yelled at because you were super gracious, and then I cut you off. So this uh, shelter-in-place order has been lifted. Uh, they've gotten over like 530 tips, and this is the second day of this manhunt. What does that tell you, Scott? Uh, the public seems eager to help. When you would work cases like this and you get all of those tips, you have to vet them all, don't you? Yeah, you I mean, you have a um, you probably have an analytical group of the of their partners, everybody that's involved that's going through and kind of prioritizing. You know, you may have somebody that said, hey, I I uh, I shot with him 10 years ago. Okay, it's a tip. It's not something that's relevant. Um, You'll get to that later on if 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 uh, this guy's um, in custody and there might be a trial down the road. This um, you're, you're right now. They're looking to get him in custody or get eyes on him if he's uh, laying in a field somewhere. So that's that's right now number one priority. That's all the tips that may be coming in of you know different uh, things people have come across with him in their past, but is not relevant to getting him off the street. So if somebody says, "Hey, I I saw him." no doubt and so forth, then this is where then you have a flood of um, uh, police, law enforcement heading to that area. No different than last night when it was believed that he could be barricaded in one of the houses that he had stayed because a diligent neighbor had heard noises, perhaps some sort of explosive or gunshot. So you're going to flood the scene and and then, of course, uh, deem that not to be not to be the case. And Scott, in that in that particular instance, uh, last night they threw flashbang grenades uh, into the home. Is that is that SOP? I mean, the fact that he wasn't there that that was just out of an abundance of caution to go in there, startle him, and obviously there was no luck when they got inside. Yeah, that's uh, the you know this guy has already shown he's willing willing to shoot. So you don't know what what sort of booby traps he might have put off. In, in the house if he were there or 
um, if he's willing to shoot his way out of it. So, yeah, the, the idea is he has already shown the worst of the worst, what he's capable of. And so there's, um, there's going to be an absolute high alert tactical response, and that's going to be playing it very safe. See if, it, you know, flood with lights, with, with noise, with calling him out and see if they can at least determine if there's any movement in this house. They spent a considerable amount of time waiting to see if they can get confirmation outside of this tip that somebody is or was inside. So that, yeah, that it's a, it's and and any, they're going to do that with every similar tip where if he's potentially hiding somewhere, they're going to treat it as if he's inside and, and um, do whatever to protect themselves bef- before. Cause right now it's just him. If he's barricaded in a house somewhere. And so thereby they can wait it out, negotiate, do whatever it is before they feel like they have to go in. Uh, I'm on thin ice already with Uncle Phil, and this is a sensitive question, but I got to ask, um, is Nugget with you today or uh, with a neighbor? She's back. She's back. Um, see you. There we go. We'll wake her up by the end. Um, Tali said, look at this. She's not in the loop. We'll have to get a a, a, a nugget showing by the end of this show um phil waters so you and scott both said something interesting and passing but i caught it with my seasoned trained ear you said that this guy planned this you said it was meticulously planned it's interesting because we'll get into it further but it seems like he had some sort of psychotic break yet he had the wherewithal you think to really plan this out what are the odds if you had a bet right now that he killed himself and is laying in these thick main woods. Do you think that's the case or do you think he really took off that he planned it that well? Well, it could be a combination of both of those. He planned his escape for the purpose of going somewhere where he is, he thinks maybe he will not be found and uh, is going to off himself. And then it's just a matter of time before his remains are located. So, you know, what I read about the guy in particular, he was uh, apparently an army reservist of some kind and was, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if I read it, he was discharged or he was in that process because he was hearing voices in his head and threatened to shoot up a, a military facility somewhere there in Maine. So he's obviously got some some health issues. I think one thing that's interesting is that uh, he's a firearms instructor. So people are going to start, you know, how did he get these guns and all this stuff? Because he's got all these problems and all this stuff. And, you know, and, and the, the, the say it again, and this will get, get them going. The issue is not the guns. The issue is the heart and the mind of a person that would do something like this. So, um, you know, if he had, if he had taken a, if he had taken a Lamborghini SUV and driven it into a crowd of people and killed 18 people with that, we wouldn't be crying out about how the Lamborghinis need to be removed, the SUV. So I, I just, you know, the whole thing is this guy's obviously got some problems. I think they found a suicide note in yeah. the search warrant. They're not divulging what's in the suicide note. But it, it was it was reported that and people will definitely freak out over the gun comments, but we'll uh, address those. Um, that is 
Phil's point of view, which he has every right to have, and uh, you know, well, it's just the truth. It's a Second Amendment, Second Amendment right in this country. Um, Appreciate your coverage of this case. Thank you for that super sticker coming from uh, a country that I don't know, um, because that's an interesting. uh, I don't understand the denotation of the money there, but. Bill Waters, that suicide note you talked about, the reports that it was sort of indecipherable. Uh, Obviously, that's being held fairly close to the vest with law enforcement, so we don't know how whoever is reporting it knows that. What would that tell you, though, uh, if in fact it was just kind of like a haphazard written note that doesn't make a whole lot of sense? Would that just obviously play into the fact that he was having some sort of mental break? Well, yes, I mean, I've read, I think, where it was written to his son, if I'm not mistaken. So Mm -hmm. uh, the ramblings of of, of whatever he's doing, he's obviously something going on in his head. I mean, he even committed this act to plan it. Now he's trying to, of course, until they release what's in the note, sounds like he's trying to, in some way, explain to his son, if that's accurate, why he did what he did. But so far, they haven't revealed what the possible motive is behind this thing. He had just lost his job, I think I read somewhere. So there's going to be some connection to the bowling alley and to this bar. And I don't know, is the is the bowling alley connected to the bar? Is it kind of like one complex I- I believe that there are two separate, loca- two distinct locations. Um, okay, so yeah, he's obviously got a problem with somebody. So I don't know. Was he working at the bowling alley? That I, I suddenly lost his job. He goes to the bowling alley, goes to the bar, and there's got to be in his head, obviously, some reason why he's picked those two spots, and that he is in there. The snapshots that I've seen of it. He looks very focused on what he's doing. So, by the way, Uncle Phil, you mentioned the uh, the issue of firearms. I am no firearms expert. Uh, two places I should never be are a gun range and a prison. But that weapon looks large and scary. Any idea what kind of weapon that was? Well, I would imagine some kind of a, a two-two-three uh, semi-automatic rifle carbine. That's what I would imagine. Uh, I don't know if he's got access to a fully automatic weapon, but or he could have uh, he could have uh, adapted the weapon. He could have put a sear in it and turned it into a fully automatic weapon. But it, uh, these, this business about to use your word, Joel, scary guns. Uh, this is a it's a two two three carbine would be my guess. Hmm. And the fact that it looks scary doesn't make it any less. Uh, effective in the use of it. He's using it in the wrong way. He could have walked in there with a with a Winchester and and shot up a bunch of people. And what that gun's less scary. The results are the same. And I go back to the to the premise that the problem is with him. It's not with whatever instrument he's using to execute this plan. Uh, that gun debate is gonna always rage in this country it's like uh middle east peace i feel like abby taha says i saved my super chat for this where have you been dad phil this is your adopted <laughs> daughter we deserve an explanation 
Ferraris are forever. We aren't. We need our fill time. Look at that. Very beautiful, Abby. Ta ha 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 ha. Well, I would defer to you, Joel, for that explanation. <laughs> I'm going to take heat for this. For I'm going to take you. Oh, man. Imagine being Phil Waters' child in high school <laughs> and you come home late. It would have been. I got to speak to Shane one of these days. That's my next call. Um, Scott Tuffy, no better man to answer this question than you. Happened in Lewiston, Maine. The FBI is all over this. Why? Because a fantastic uh, department decided we're not going to do this alone. We can't do it alone. So they called in the cavalry. And I think any time that you have something of this magnitude, the core people are investigating. You have your core investigators doing what they do. Uh, but then you bring everybody else in in order to get this guy in custody. And, and you're showing tremendous force to the community to say as, as dangerous as it is right now with the shelter in place, this and that and so forth. We want everybody to be able to look out their window and probably see somebody who's armed and has a uniform on and they can feel just a little bit better until this guy's in custody. No different than the people in Chester County last month with this guy. Once he, it was determined that he stole a weapon from an 80 year old, uh, out of a, um, out of a garage. So, uh, I totally agree. This guy has planned, he has planned for this escape and now it's all, you know, they're going through all his writings, all his web searches and, I imagine if he left uh, a note, let's just say it's a note that describes in detail what brought him to that point, um, that there are also things that they are uncovering about his escape, like where his intention of going. Um, so the FBI is providing those tremendous resources. They have tremendous amount of uh, manpower. And so they can reallocate people around the country on their dime and uh, be able to say, Hey, um, cause when, when, when I was allocated as a resource, I am heading to whoever's in charge. And so you have um, whatever the, I don't, and I don't know what the jurisdiction, if it's Maine state police or if there is a Auburn or Lewiston, uh, local police, but you're you're under the thumb of whoever the commanding officer is, and you're just another body going out covering leads or or um, walking the path of where he might uh, have last been seen. So it's just offering tremendous resources on the government's dime. So this way, you can put an end to this as quick as possible. Carla Riley with a super sticker. Thank you there. And then uh, Northern California Cubs fan. Look at that. My favorite day of the week because of you three amazing gentlemen. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, Phil Waters, you mentioned it. Well, let me, before I get there, let me ask you a different question. I was going to ask you about the terrain. We'll get back to that. Hypothetically, you are not retired. You're not living on the big Island. You're still a homicide detective and you work in Lewiston, Maine. Um, number one, would you have felt, compelled to call in the FBI because of the magnitude of this case. And if you're investigating this right now in Lewiston, Maine, what are you doing? Well, we're again, you know, you start at the beginning of this thing. You're trying to get the background on this guy. They're 
I think in Lewiston's situation, of course, uh, you would call in the FBI. I'm sure they've got a great working relationship with the Bureau up there, as we did in Houston. Uh, something like this, I don't think in Houston we would be compelled to call the FBI. But when you have a manhunt of this magnitude, perhaps we would. I see, I think I've read where, well, I know I read that uh, they've called in BORTAC, uh, the Border Patrol tactical team, as they did in that last little, the little, uh, what was the little guy, the little uh, mini, mini, Danilo Cavalcante. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. And uh, many, the many, many Mexican murderer, whatever he was. And uh, so, uh, yeah, in a deal like this, you pull in all the resources that you can. And that's what they're doing. So as far as, as me being a homicide detective involved in that thing, it's going to be a uh, again, it's going to be a, everything will be filtered through the lead agency. And because they are the ones in charge of what's going on. So all of those tips and, you know, and when something like this happens, it, it does generate a lot of tips because everybody starts to see this guy everywhere. They'll get, they'll get phone calls and tips from all over the country. Mm. I mean, it, it'll be insanity. So, so what is the psychological what's the psychological deal with that? Why are people in Arizona going to call with a tip? I mean, is it what is it about that that we always hear these stories? Oh, I, I just think there's a group of people out there that that that's, that they don't have. I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh here, but they just don't have much of a life. And when they see something like this happen that has such an effect. They want to be a part of that, and it gives them a sense of being involved. Now, that's just my armchair psychoanalysis. But I, I and having talked to thousands of people over the course of my career in all sorts of different mental states, including some people that want to say they're involved when they're not, or they are the suspect when they're not, um, there are just some people out there that that have that need that was never fulfilled as they were growing up. So hmm. it's, oh, in a certain way, it's sad. And in another way, it is very distracting and it doesn't serve the investigation well because you're using resources to track down leads that have no bearing really on anything. But you still have to do your due diligence and you have to track those those leads down and eliminate them if they're if they're no good. So it's a uh, when something like this happens, I mean that you know, yeah. they come out of the woodwork. And I'm on my phone just looking at updates. I'm listening. DJ Ross here. This is an interesting comment. My nephew was one of the first to arrive at the bowling alley. No words, it was gruesome. Uh, very sorry to hear that, obviously. Uh, glad your nephew's okay. Um, I cannot imagine what it was like. Curious, DJ, if your nephew is some sort of either law enforcement official or a first responder, let us know uh, in the chat and send our uh, heartfelt sympathies and our thoughts to uh, your nephew. Cannot imagine what that would be like. Uh, Twyla Olson, 
Joel Scott and Phil, you guys, but sometimes your bantering reminds me of Curly, Moe's, and Larry. I'll put them in a different order, I think, in a, in a, good, in a good way. Friday is great. This has been a long week. If you want to do this. Oh, Twyla there is uh, showing her age, perhaps. Yes, that's yeah, very seriously, if half of this audience knows who Mo, Curly, and Larry are. <laughs> Uh, look at this. Nugget is back. Yay, Nugget. Yeah, Nugget. Um, and uh, the COE is working on getting some uh, free Nugget shirts. Nugget is free. Uh, hello, STS Nation. Scott Duffy. Um, so this guy, his name is Robert Card, uh, 40 years old. He underwent a mental health evaluation reportedly in mid-July after he began acting erratically while he was with his reserve regiment. So this guy was a reservist in the military. I don't know which branch, and he was there. He was there, and he started to crack. Um, That really complicates it, right? Um, I mean, already there's so many avenues to go with this. Why was he – I think he was admitted to some sort of mental health facility, and people are like, why was he let out? We don't really know the extent of any of this, right? But how does it complicate it? I don't know if it complicates it just it kind of sets the stage of what led up to this right every when something like this happens every everybody is just really astonished and they can't understand and and to Phil's point you know you have the politicians that immediately go to gun control issues or, or talking while there's still an active fugitive hunt and 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 uh, family members that are still being identified. So it, it really does brought, bring everything out. But ultimately, um, with regards to setting the stage, why did this guy do this when, you know, typically right off the bat, you'll have family or a, fam- a, a neighbor that will say, oh, you know, kept to himself and and had a history of trouble and had a history of this and and so it's like another checkbox, another checkbox. Here, it doesn't seem like that. It seems like people are coming out saying we're extremely shocked because he's a 20-plus year, uh, uh, I believe it's the Army, Army reservist for the state of Maine. Um, and so you you have somebody who's just seemingly has it all together in this idyllic town, right? And um, and so then all of a sudden you have an instant, rel- just a few months ago, not years, but just a few months ago, where it causes alarm, causes alarm to to his, um, his soldier, you know, the people he's with in the reservist, it causes alarm with his family. And uh, from what I gathered, there was a, a commitment for a couple of weeks so all that, I can guarantee you, law enforcement is going through getting the information from from the uh, the experts in that field to say, what did he discuss? How detailed was he? If if he's putting it out there early on, I'm, I feel like I should go shoot people and this and that, um, that you're now going to have discussions saying, what, why did this fall between the cracks why wasn't there why wasn't it given a little bit more attention and could we have seen three four months ahead where he's actually going to do it because the problem is how many people 
millions, I would say, but at least thousands that suffer uh, mental health and will never cross that line yeah. to violence. I think I read a statistic that 40% of the nation has some form of mental illness. Yeah. Uh, it's an exorbitantly high number. Uh, look at this comment, Scott, from Kelly. Scott looks exceptionally cute today. Not just cute, yeah, but exceptionally nice. cute. That's- I hope your wife is not standing next to you right now. Uh, Wild Light Art says, Lewiston has between 36,000 and 38,000 people. He was making domestic terrorism threats. Something went really wrong systematically. They're obviously going to investigate that. Uh, Phil Waters, as I'm checking the news, they've got dive teams out there. Uh, this is a very macabre question I'm about to ask you. But what's if this guy killed himself in the middle of the wilderness or somehow died in the water, uh, where's it tougher to find him? Is there an answer to that? Boy, I don't know. You're talking about two different uh, environments that are going to be equally challenging. Yeah, I, think, I would think the dive teams are more because they found a, a red where they found a weapon in the vehicle at the port at the dock. So my it would be interesting to know where those dive teams are, and I would imagine they are looking for weapons that have been disposed rather than a body. Hmm. How do you that, do that? How do you do that? that? Do you have some sort of like... Oh, there's a method by which those dive teams, they go out, they, they form a grid, and they start to track that within that grid. Uh, and it's a, it's a very meticulous, methodical search. And it's amazing. I, I've always been amazed when... I had a couple of cases where they found weapons in the water, which just amazed the crap out of me. So uh, it's a very, it's a very uh, methodical way of searching in the water. And uh, that's, Phil, that's what I'm let, guessing. Let's it's Friday. Let's have Phil respond to this. Jason truth has been in the chat with a lot of interesting comments. Hey, Phil, I think this is an MK ultra CIA using this guy as a puppet, but why? to start gun control issues for the establishment against gun rights. Our power is part of U.S. Bill of Rights. Any response to this, Phil? Well, I mean, it's a, I guess that's one of a hundred conspiracy theories, right? Hmm. I, I think what it's going to boil down to, because I, I, I'd be, I mean, this guy, as I would any case, this is going to be a psychological autopsy done on this guy to find out where these issues started to arise with this guy. And uh, if he's got, uh, Scott, I think you said he's got 20 years experience as an Army Reservist. Is that right? So that's the first time I've heard that. Like early 2000. Okay. So my question would be, first question would be, has he seen any combat? And if he has, what was the extent to which he has seen? What, what kind of operations was he involved in in a combat uh, situation? So, and does that have any, did that have any uh, effect once he got back? Did he go to, uh, because he had PTSD, was he counseled? So you got to go to a, a whole do a whole background on this guy. Uh, in terms of where he, where his experience was, what did he do 
when he was not an Army Reservist. He said he lost his job recently. So I haven't read anywhere where it says what he did for a living. Um, so there's a whole lot of pieces of this puzzle just about this guy to try to get an answer as to why he does what he did. And these things never happen in a vacuum. It wasn't that, you know, and these, the folks, we've already had a couple bedwetters that are, you know, it's, it is the guns, you know, it's this and that. Look, it's not the guns. It is not the freaking guns, okay? And in fact, Maine um, has had, uh, has very low crime rate to begin with. There, the uh, the gun violence in that state is relatively low, and I think I read where eighty nine percent of the gun violence in the state is attributable to, is attributable to suicide. And so, uh, you know, people have got to get off of this gun thing. It is a problem with people's minds and their hearts. That's where the problem is. And I don't care how many people want to yell about the guns. It's like yelling about cars because 40,000 plus people get killed a year in drunk driving accidents. Really? Okay. So we take away, I, I always, I, I just, I do this with cars. I do this with vehicle, with, with fatality accidents where it says that the just for the sake of the conversation, a 2020 Ford Blazer, or not, Bronco, Ford Bronco, Chevrolet's a Blazer, a 2020 Ford Bronco ran over a person in a sidewalk, on a sidewalk and killed them. Really? Well, you know what that is? That's a fact without telling the truth. The fact is, yeah, it was a 2020 Ford Bronco that ran over this person on the sidewalk. It was the person driving the Ford Bronco that killed that person. It wasn't the car. The car didn't wake up that day and start itself up and say, I'm going to go kill me somebody on a, on a sidewalk. It's the same thing with guns. And I've said it before. I've been around guns, weapons all my life. And I own several. And I've never had one ever get up under its own power load itself and walk out and kill somebody. So these, these people that are so emotionally attached to this argument that it's the guns, that somehow we're going to solve the problem with the guns, they're just... Well, well I don't know this. You know, John Wayne's famous quote is, life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Well, I'm going to follow that up since I am a... Uh... Emmy award-winning journalist, not just a journalist. By the <laughs> way, shout out to Mick Spunk. I know that. I know that about you. Yeah. Uh, Joel and the COE buy a couple of coffees for yesterday and today. I could use a scotch. Thank you very much. McSpunky's super generous, too generous. Thank you. Making me embarrassed here. Um, well, let me ask you this, because I covered Sandy Hook. I remember Columbine. Um, I remember very vividly going to cover President, then President Obama in Connecticut a few weeks after. And I don't want to make this a gun issue, but I just want to follow up since you put it out there. What's, you know, what's the answer? Is there an answer? What do you do? I mean, because the country is split in half. Half are you and half are people who say 
it's the problem. But how is there any solution to the problem? I mean, this guy was obviously, you know, a bit out of his mind. <clears throat> um, and we'll get into that a little bit more as well. But what's what in your estimation? Is there a solution to this? Well, you, you know what my solution is at the base of this thing. So, by the way, you never want to stare down the barrel of Phil's forty-five. Go ahead, Phil. Well, that's true too. But uh, <laughs> it, there's, there's a whole lot of answers to that question, Joel, and and, and you know that part of the reason is is you know this will get them all started. The removal of God from the schools. We're too it's far the, in, Phil. Go ahead. The removal of God from our government is the, uh, who the whole the, who the whole country was established on those principles, um, and then you have these do-gooder people <laughs> that think they are doing people that have mental illness a favor by releasing them into the population. I, it, it is amazing to me. And it, so when they started, when those people started shutting down institutions, what needed to be corrected was the manner in which those mental health institutions were being operated. That's what needed to change. Reforms within the system needed to be changed in the treatment. Their solution to this was release these people into the into the general population, which is what has happened. That's why you have an incredible homeless population in this country. That's why you have people that are going around and they're committing acts of violence because they're under some sort of mental health problem. And, and this will get them started too coupled with the fact that there is evil in the world. What this guy did today was an act of evil, or did yesterday, was two days ago, was an act of evil. That's what it is. And I, and I, just, I just cringe when I see people comment that it's not evil, it's, it, it, it's these mental health things. You know what? It is evil. Are you, are you kidding me? How else would you define something like that? How else would you define something? Well, that's that an interesting point because there are. How else would you define people that like what happened to Sandy? How else would you define that? Just some guy that picked up a gun and the gun told him, go do this. I mean, it's it, it, the, the argument is absolutely asinine to me. They don't understand the nature of the human dilemma, the human condition. And, so, and it is important to point out that. 99.99% of people who are battling mental illness do not commit these crimes. I think Phil is, yeah, Phil is making the point that it is a small, you know, minuscule percentage. But, that, but, that, but, that, but the other 99%, there are other issues that are created because of what these do-gooders did about releasing them. So there are other issues. It's not always, it's, all, it's not a murder or, or something like this, an act of violence, but there are other issues. Mm. That that you know that are that are created because of this, so mm. you know I, mm. it's just frustrating for me to hear people just trot out the same argument. It's like the, the like the definition of insanity. They keep trotting out the same argument, thinking they're going to get a different solution, and mm. and it, it, it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely asinine. And th this comment, uh, 
is wild coming considering who it's coming from tali in tel aviv uh where israel is in a war i can wrap my head oh i can wrap she's saying that a person woke up in the morning and decided to take innocent lives tragic interesting uh still interesting uh, Melissa points out, and this has been reported too. We don't know if these reports are accurate. He was completely normal until he got hearing aids that made him hear voices. Um, Scott Duffy, someone just uh, in the chat, and I meant to bring it up, but I kind of blew through it, is blaming. So he was admitted to a mental hospital um, and are now blaming the hospital and saying that, you know, there should be medical malpractice. Um, Scott, Scott Duffy. Uh, your response to a comment like that. And also, same question as I just asked. Uh, this is interesting from Kel B. I have mental illness and I've asked my roommate to hide the guns for my safety. I never hurt someone else. So that's brave uh, that you can admit that, but that's a smart move if you've ever felt that way. The fact that a roommate has a gun in the that's pretty amazing, but good for her. Keep that in a safe and lock it up, I guess. Yeah. Um, Scott Duffy, what do we do? I mean, I didn't want to turn this into a condition. We'll get off of this in a minute. But what do we do? I mean, Sandy Hook happened. Columbine happened. Things have gotten worse, arguably. Uh, do you have some sort of solution? And would you consider running for president if you do? I wouldn't be running for president. I, mm. I absolutely. By the way, you'd be a great pre President Duffy. Be amazing with a lapel pin, blue suit, power tie. Be be great. Yeah, go ahead. I could I could salute everybody as I jump on my helicopter. Yeah, yeah. be awesome. I, the would you, um, do, would you still do STS every Friday from the White House from the Oval oh, Office? Yeah, I would. I would have a a fantastic background. It would be, be amazing. From, you know, the West Wing, the East Wing, the Oval Office. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to cut you off. I I don't. This is a very complex issue. It's um, you know I've been in law enforcement prior to Columbine and then all the way through. We've had a couple of uh, mass shootings in the territory that I was in, so I got to be a part of of uh, responses and investigations. So it's um. It's so complex, and I don't think the way we're currently uh, – I, I just I, I just feel like there's too much involved. And so, for example, like, yeah, I mean, sure, there's going to be questions about, you know, what, what was the hospital or wherever he was – wherever he stayed. Um, you know, what, what – how much credence do you put into what somebody's saying, saying to, and especially when they have a history of just nothing and then balance it with a, a, a blip on the screen. And then all of a sudden somebody says, I'm, I'm better and things are good. And so you're like, good. Okay. And you, you pat them on the back and you get them out the door. It's just, you know, it's 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 just a very difficult issue and and I don't quite know what I have some ideas and it is definitely uh it definitely requires a lot more than what government is throwing at it and and I believe faith be careful be careful Scott I know I'm going down that road Phil 
but I do believe that um, maybe we maybe we should have canceled the show today. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's um, you know Phil and I have lived it. We've seen you know death not from afar but up close too many times. So Phil a lot more times than I. But I get to at least see my my share of depravity and and um, you know it's I don't I, I'm not so sure if there's anything I've done that uh, other than the people that I've been involved with, if I've done anything to change the dynamic, if something will change, I don't, um, there is some sort of phenomenon. I'll put it that way with regards to why now like these, not only mass shootings, but mass attacks. And, and this, these are, these are the ones that make, make the news, but you know, then I saw a number that this, this was like number 36 or something for the year. And, you know, I don't, and, and then I know the numbers change. Hey, if it's so many, it's a mass shooting. And of course the inner cities and just the violence, I think it's so complex that if we try to just deal with it in some political fashion, as opposed to a true heartfelt soul introspection of how of wh- how we got here then then yeah I, I i say that we can um we can try to put a band-aid on it but i, I don't i mean it's going to happen again it's going to happen again regardless of you add another law on the books i i feel like our gun laws are 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 very strict and um and yet it doesn't stop the flow of violence so what 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 um what would it take something that's not quite been done yet is what i think yeah uh, can i say scott makes an excellent point about the number of gun laws we have in this country Mm -hmm. thousands of them thousands of them all over the place federal municipal county state thousands upon thousands of gun laws and not one of these laws is going to stop a person like this from going and doing what they think they need to do and committing an act of violence on anybody. And that goes for an individual on another individual. It goes for a guy like this on scores of people. There's not one freaking law. That's why they call them criminals because they do not follow the law. So to punish those people that do follow the law, that are law-abiding citizens, exercising their God-given rights through the Constitution, is wrong. Phil, are so, you surprised that are you surprised that no one returned fire? That someone wasn't carrying a firearm or couldn't couldn't do it or froze up? Well, or? I know in Maine they have they don't. You can carry without a permit. But I think in Maine, you have to have a license to carry concealed. I mean, you may know better than I, Scott, but I, don't I, know. I, think, I think they have a permitless carry law. Um, but then again, if you want to get, so I am a little surprised that there wasn't someone there that wasn't able to take him out. Now, and, and only through the investigation, moment, there may have been someone. And they just were too scared to take any action. Or they were on him. He was on him too fast. I mean, because the, when these things happen, excuse me, 
they happen in a second. They happen. I mean, you know, they're they're happening. And so, when that's another uh, fallacy, when people come back as Monday morning quarterbacks and try to try to start talking about what they now know as though that should have been foreseen before this happened, that's a ridiculous argument. And they come out as being some sort of expert that, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I deal with this all the time in cases that I work. And it is amazing to me, the, the lawsuits that are filed based on what was known after the act occurred as though we were supposed to know it before it and uh, the issue of foreseeability. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's any, that's why we have laws, right? To keep the law abiding people in check. The ones that break the laws, they're going to break the law. Doesn't make any difference. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of gun laws. And what happens? You get a guy like this that breaks thousands of those gun laws and goes and commits an act like this. So people get your head out of your, out of the same, let me put it that way. Uh, Roseanne here. realize the reality of the world we're living in. Yeah, look at this. Roseanne says exactly right, Phil, in regards to mental health facilities. Some people may never assimilate in society, but most need time, and it's not two weeks, which is the amount of time this guy, Robert Card, uh, spent. Scott Tuffy, do you care? Uh, Maine has 1.3 million people. Uh, do you care to guess the amount of homicides they had in the year 2022 in total? Is that for the state? For the state, yeah. Ooh. 18 just died. Uh, in 2022, how many were murdered? Oh, gosh. Um not really hearing or seeing Maine in any type of news and so forth. Um, I, I got it. So just for the state, for, for, for the year, for the whole state, uh, 50, 75, 29, 29. Um, yeah, 29. What are you, are you surprised by that? I mean, that's like an incredible to me. That's an incredibly, as much as we talk about how violent this country is, uh, and they don't, you know, I don't hear, let me get my first interruption in here, Joel. Please do. Uh, Maine, I looked at some, looked at their gun laws. Maine has, I mean, in contrast to the states surrounding it, has really some, I don't know if the word lax is the word to use. They do have some stuff that I don't particularly agree with, but, uh, in terms of, of the, you know, the, the bedwetters that want all these laws, they're really not that strict in terms of their gun laws. So that just blows away the argument of the other side that says it's guns. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking 29 homicides in a year, is that what you're saying in Maine? In 29 Canada? in the year 2022. By the way, while I have, Phil, while I have you, this and Michael's a friend. We got, we got 29 homicides in a month in Houston. <laughs> well, Maine, Maine is about half the size of Houston, Texas in population. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, look at Michael Couture's comment, friend of the show. We argued over, uh, I think it was Tupac, maybe. I don't remember. Maine has some of the most lax gun laws in the country. Mental illness does not equal violence. And somewhere in there, we need to be apolitical in finding a solution. As a admitted liberal, I have no answer. Let me tell you something. Okay, kudos to, is it Michael? Michael, yes. I, kudos to Michael. That is a guy that 
I could sit down with and have a conversation with hmm. and be respectful of his views because he's not stupid. So, no, oh, really, I, 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 I really, my respect goes out to Michael. That was well stated, and it's too bad that more people on that side of this issue don't have that kind of a view of it. How about this view, uh, Phil? Gun lovers think of ridiculous justifications. End of story. Would you sit down with Glass Onion? Uh, I'm surprised to see the well, COE. I might, I might sit down with them and just listen to how how ludicrous they are. I mean, you know, I mean that that's a that's a silly that's a silly statement with no nothing to back it up. That's just one of those pejoratives that throw out there to you know look at me. I care more than you do. That's the same type of person that would go and get a freaking tubal ligation or a vasectomy because they think their neighbor's got too many kids. Mm. Don't even know how to respond to that. Scott Duffy smiled. <laughs> um, by the way, God knows what I'm saying. Scott knows exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. DOE, don't even come after me. Don't, don't at me after this show. Um, just don't. The COE gets worked up when we get into, into, into rough, in, into, Rough waters here. Darlene Dunlap. I have an enhanced uh, CC permit. What is it? Concealed carry. I'm so tired. Concealed carry permit to carry concealed in bars, restaurants, state building, etc. It's easier to get, get a gun illegally than legally. Uh, yeah, listen, we were just doing the Charlie Adelson trial. It had a Latin Kings gang member on the stand, Luis Rivera. They asked him where he got his gun to commit a hit for... Uh, uh, to take out a law professor at FSU. He said he got the gun on the streets. Um, surviving the survivor, uh, Jersey baby. We love you. Cool chick. You're definitely a friend of the show. Jersey baby, uh, Jersey, Jersey baby. That's it. That's the correct inflection. It's only been, I've only done 18 hours of this in two days. Um, and then I got to drive to Tallahassee. I can't believe I have to do that. Okay, let's get back to this investigation, Scott Duffy. This is what you guys are experts at. So police have been really quiet, but it's it's frightening. We've seen your guys in those FBI jackets moving from scene to scene in mass numbers. Uh, we've seen these um, flashbang grenades, as, as they are called by the media. Uh, what do investigators do now at one point they even found a public phone number for this guy they called it wasn't in service i mean what is take us behind the scenes right now what is going on in the fbi command post or the you know the main command post uh for this scene what is happening on the inside of those walls yeah so um having been in a couple of those uh command posts there is uh presumably one command post so you have the the powers that be from from the uh, the relevant agencies that are constantly Scott hang on one second. Um, I couldn't sleep last night. Not to interrupt you, Scott, but I just did. The COE keeps the house at like thirty three. Last night, when I had to get up early today, she kept it at ninety one. I woke up sweating. My four year old gets up. He's laying on top of me. His body temperature is like nine hundred thirty one degrees. And then he's got a, his cell phone addiction, so that phone is touching me. I, I thought I had pneumonia. And then the COE puts it back down to like 27 in the house, and that's why I'm looking like I'm dressed for the North Pole. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Very rude of me. <laughs> that's, so that's why you're dressed for the North Pole? 
Correct. It's, it's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Yeah. It, at this time of year, it gets grayish, usually very blue or cloudy skies, but here it almost gets like, it looks like fall, even though it's still 85. And uh, I have seasonal affect disorder, never really diagnosed. I self-diagnosed. So when I see clouds, I immediately get bummed out and uh, think it's freezing. So I put a, a hoodie on. I don't know why, but anyway, it is cold because of air conditioning. Go if ahead. You went like this. Go like this. Yeah. <laughs> put your put your hands underneath your armpits. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, put your hands underneath your armpits. That's what that's what police you do. Look like, it looks like a straight jacket to me. But yeah. <laughs> that's what police do on the sidewalk. <laughs> um, Scott Duffy for the nineteenth time. I didn't mean to interrupt, but we've interrupted many times. So what what is going on? fascinated by these command posts what what is happening inside how many jurisdictions i know the main state police obviously local but whoever's how does it work is there a guy sitting in a chair he's the commander and everyone goes up to him and he says here do this you do this you do that walk us through it well let me give you a, like a real life example of a, of a, a major event whatever it whatever it is that brings everybody together mass shooting a mass incident prison ride, whatever, something that's just massive and uh, brings federal, state, and, and uh, local authorities together. So there, the, 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 let me put it that, of course, you're human, so who can bring the bigger command post is part of it, right? And so you have one command post driving up with these beautiful letters, then you have another command post that looks like a more updated um, typically these, these beautiful tour buses, and they are just beautiful inside command posts, all, all paid on behalf of typically comes from government dollars. And um, so you had those command posts that have, have arrived, or you have uh, schools or a church or some place that's going to say, hey, use us as a center point so everybody can get together. So then you have... Um, what do you have to do? You have to first establish communications. That's that's key, you know. So you you can't just arrive somewhere somewhere and then expect that everybody's going to be on the same communication level. Everybody's got different cell phones. Everybody's got different um, uh, different radios and so forth. And and so you need a common channel. So first and foremost, establishing who's in charge. That person then delves out the um, the relevant uh, orders and so and and communications is a key, so that's already in place through all these pre-planning of these national incidents and and you go to this rule book and so now you have communications, you have different departments, and and then you have whatever. So first and foremost, you have the protection of the crime scene, so that's going on. You have detectives, you have MEs, you have first just dealing with what what is an unimaginable task of identifying preserving uh all the evidence but the, the whole idea of the commanders is to protect them do not disturb them let them do their work then you have of course covering leads who's going to be covering the, the leads that that mean nothing but at least could you know have to be you know uh checked off and then of course all the tactical teams that are coming in in this case because the guy's still on the loose and uh, so you have a very volatile situation. 
and it's um, it's tedious work for to be able to protect the community, to protect your crime scene, and then to protect the literally the. I I, I would be surprised if it's less than a thousand law enforcement officers that are on scene now, and uh, and then to protect them because you have somebody who who is a trained expert who could be on the outer perimeter looking to do harm. So you just have to keep all that in mind while ensuring that the work gets done. And then of course you have your fire, you have your community, your, your church groups who are then saying, if you're going to be here for days and you're not leaving, we got to feed you. And uh, so we're going to take care of you. And then not to mention your whole mental health, experts coming in, your chaplains coming in. It's just an amazing thing to be a part of. And then once you step back at the end of it and say, wow, all that came together. And and that is because uh, there are these planning models that that have worked, keep working, and um, and departments have done well. And, and you check ego at the door. It's just, there's no, other than a different patch or a different badge, different color uniform, uh, everybody's on the same page there and, and they act as one. So that's important. And the commander, whoever that commander is, has to ensure all of this is taking place and that there's necessary funding, resources, replenishments, telling people, like I had, my boss said, you're here for 18 hours. You got to get out of here. And I'm like, but, but it could be over 19 hours. Then what's going to happen? So I want to be a part of it, but I realize you know, you're going delirious. Your 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 lack of sleep. You can you can work so much on adrenaline, but um, it takes those people above you to say, "Go get go get a little shut eye and then come back." So it's it's um, it's a lot. It's it's amazing to see it, and I've seen it in play quite a bit, and um, and that's exactly what's happening in Maine. And those guys are heroes. Uh- I am not. Suaza says, love the show, but please stop interrupting Scott. I love hearing his uh, perspective. Then he always interrupts Scott. Phil, interrupt me. Go ahead. That's not true. Uh, Under our normal format here, I don't address directly comments that are made. However, I'm going to make an exception today because I want to address a comment that was made. And it says, Phil, I think folks like you are emotionally attached to guns. Mm. And I can speak with equal strength, though I am not against guns for any purpose. So what I am, I'm not emotionally attached to guns. I'm not emotionally attached to anything. What I am emotionally Except attached to. Except his wife to, and Nugget, his wife and Nugget and his children. Go ahead. Well, they're not things. Oh, sorry. They are, they are people in my life. I'm oh, so. sorry. I call my kids things. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, that's an issue you'll probably have to deal with later on. But uh, (laughs) what I am emotionally attached to and what I'm passionate about are my God-given rights under the U.S. Constitution. One of them being the Second Amendment. And I'm equally as passionate about the First Amendment. And the reason the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment is to protect the, the government's taking away the First Amendment. Remember, the Constitution was written to protect us from the government, not to protect the government from us. 
So, yes, I am emotionally attached, but I just wanted to let Ms. Marple know what I am emotionally attached to and passionate about. Well said, uh, Phil. Scott Duffy has a Halloween party in 10 minutes. He has to go. Is that correct, Scott? <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. So we're, we're yeah, about, we're, about 10 minutes so I can get dressed. I can. We'll get you yep. done. I want to find out what you're going to be. Don't worry. I didn't forget. But the names were released of all these victims. And uh, it actually is just a very weird, I hope, coincidence. But the first name here, and I'm going to read them, Ronald Morin. It's the same name as Rachel Morin, Scott Duffy, this case that we've been um, covering out of Maryland. Same spelling and everything. He was 55. It's weird because I just talked to Nate Morin and his mother, Patty Morin, I think her name is Patty. She's going to come on the show uh, toward the end of next week um, to discuss the fact that her daughter's killer still hasn't been found. But the victims here, I'm going to read them quickly. I think this is important. Ronald Morin, 55. Peyton Brewer Ross, 40. Joshua Seal, 36. Brian McFarland, 41. Joseph Walker, 57. These are all people's family members. Arthur Strout, 42. Max with two X's, Hathaway, 30, 35. Stephen Vizella, 45. Thomas Conrad, 34. Michael Delorier, 51. Jason Walker, 51. Trisha Asselin, 53. William Young, 44. Aaron Young, 14. I think that's father's son right there, my guess. Robert Violet, 76. Lucille Violet, 73. Likely husband and wife. William Brackett, 48. Keith Massnier, 64. Phil, does it break your heart that it took me that long, long to read a list of the dead in this mass shooting? Well, of course. I mean, there's no... It's always heartbreaking when there's loss of life for no purpose other than an act of violence perpetrated by somebody else who's going out and committing this act, this type of act of evil. So yeah, it is heartbreaking because think of all, not only the families that are affected by this, but that community and, and the entire state, the entire country. So you yeah, this, this up on us. you just froze up. Oh, what's that? You just froze up for a sec. Go ahead. Scott. Oh, oh. This, it just, Something like this just has such a ripple effect across the country. And uh, Scott's already alluded to it, but I think it's just disgusting when politicians on either side of the issue jump up and start creating a political issue out of an act of violence like this in any shape, in any form. And I think it's disgusting. And I think those people are reprehensible to do that. Um. I'm not even going to get into what I just saw on Twitter. I'm just going to, we'll wind up this discussion um, with both of you answering this question. Hope, eight, fear. Phil Waters, where do you think this guy is? Well, if he's not laying in the ground somewhere, laying on the ground somewhere with a bullet through his head, uh, my sense would be that he would be moving north. He would be moving toward Canada. Um, By the and, way, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I I did hear an interesting report. Canada's, in, you know, we always hear about the southern border, 
but Canada is incredibly porous. You can just walk across oh. very easy. Um, yeah. Phil, if he is headed to Canada, Canada, what would he do there? Obviously, we have extradition with him with them, but what would he do? Well, I'm sure he has it planned out what he's going to do. I mean, I, to, to this extent, he's uh, we don't know until we know, right? So he's, I would imagine, I mean, indications are that he's, if that's what he's done, that he's gone to a place that he planned to go to. I think I've read somewhere where he's kind of an outdoorsman type guy. So there's no telling what kind of uh, goods that he took with him in this boat, uh, camping equipment, change of clothing, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, I, I, I would just, if I was going to guess, I would say that's where he's headed. But then, you know, when we had the, what the little midget Guatemalan murder? Danilo Cavalcante, Brazilian, Brazilian. The Brazilian, the midget, that's what it was, the Brazilian midget murder. That's what it was. Um, Boy, my we were all thinking he was headed south when his plans were looked like he was actually heading north. So that might be the case here, but I'm just thinking that he's in a boat. Uh, he goes south. He's still heading down the east coast of the United States, so it just makes sense to me that you head to Canada, get across that border, and you've got some provisions already set up. I mean, we don't know how well prepared this guy is. He may have gone to Canada. That's what I'd be interested to know if they keep any kind of record of border crossing. When's the last time this guy was in Canada? He may have gone out there and prepared whatever it is he's going to, then come back and done what he did, you know, and yeah. he's headed there. So uh, if I was going to guess, I'd say Canada. Three quarters of Canada is basically just wilderness. I mean, it's hard to live there unless this guy is also some sort of uh, survivalist. But uh, this comment is. What I've yeah. seen this. Sharon Moore, I live in Lewiston, Maine, where this happened, not far from the boat launch. It's a very wooded area, and he is a long ways from the Canadian border. Um, very curious. Uh, stay safe, Sharon. Uh, thank the first responders. Those guys are the heroes trying to uh, find this guy. It's a weird predicament, Scott Duffy, because there's so much land there, right? Um, he could be dead in the water. He could be dead in the woods. He could be alive, but let's say he's dead in the water or dead in the woods and he's not found for days or weeks or months. You got to assume he's still alive. And so this community could be living in terror for a lot of weeks, days, weeks, months to come. Right. Yeah, that's why I, I really believe whatever if he left a note, which really goes to show he really did not ever expect to um, to return. And, um, you know, it, he has an exit plan, but he's, he's smart enough. Yes. There, there, there's a mental issue here that's caused him to, to make, um, a left turn from life. I'll just say it at that. And, but it doesn't stop him from being able to still plan as he did this. And, and so thereby having an exit plan, it could be uh, that he's, like as Phil has said, has already put a back end. He's not going to be able to just start living. It's not, that's not, 
that's a pipe dream. That doesn't exist. It's not, he will be caught or he will be found one way or the other, dead or alive. It, um, you know, as, as, as Calvaconte was, Hey, it's been one week, it's been eight days and, and it ended up being, I think it was, um, close to two weeks that, um, that it's like, uh, law enforcement was always just stepping over him. So if he, if he was, Hey, I'm, I want to, um, continue to cause horror and so I'm, but I'm going to check out and, and he does take his own life, but he does it in a way where he cannot be found relatively easily. Um, then yes, that's, you know, it, each and every day people are wondering and thereby um, changing, changing their daily lifestyle. So I, I feel like he did put some time and effort into an exit plan, but I also know there's a big difference between planning, fantasizing, and then to have committed a horrific act. And that changes your life trajectory. And so, you know, whether there be any sense of remorse, this, whatever he was going through, um, it, I, you know, if, if he's alive, I don't think he's in the area. I'll put it that way. I don't think he's sticking around. Mm. But if he's deceased, he's not far from where that car was left. Wildlight arts, uh, schizophrenic people are not usually so organized. Uh, I heard a doctor, medical doctor, talking about the fact that because there are reports he was hearing voices doesn't necessarily mean he's schizophrenic. He could have just had some sort of momentary psychotic lapse. Um, Lisa Mosley, this is interesting, a whole other topic talk about for three hours my sister-in-law works with vets it's hard to get all their meds met adequately it's a problem with the government and what is provided uh, there's a huge problem here with vets i mean we, so many are committing suicide every day uh, that's got to be fixed i don't know what the answer is uh, average citizens are not safe in our own country i gotta tell you i have three little kids and uh, i think about that all the time i mean when i grew up I went to the movies. When I go to a movie now, I'm always looking for the exit door. When I go to a restaurant now, I'm always looking for, maybe because I talk to these guys, um, but I'm always looking for the exit door. John Houchin says, I don't think he will be found. Um, Bill's already disgusted with me because we took a trial live and Scott has a Halloween party. Scott, are you dressing up for this Halloween party? Are you going as a criminal justice professor? Because you look the part right now. No, I'm not. It's um, it's going to be my version of Beetlejuice. Mm. Okay, and uh, does that mean no costume? Scott is going as Santa. Ned says. No, I have, I have, I have a costume. No, Halloween is definitely something pretty big here. So, wait, did you say you're going as Beetlejuice? Is that what you said? Yeah, correct. Oh, okay. Oh, my version of it. I'll put my spin, but I, I have a full outfit for it. Will you send me a photo so then I can post it on Surviving the Survivor, our Instagram page at mm -hmm. Surviving. Will you do that? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you one as I speak, as I taught class oh. in in part of the outfit. Look at this. They're already at. Oh, look, pick, please take a picture, Scott. Um, <laughs> Phil Waters, do you dress up for Halloween, Phil? Negative. Was it? When's the last time you dressed up for Halloween? No, golly. <laughs> Give me a year. Give me a year. I, I 
couldn't even tell you. It's probably maybe back when the kids were little and that meant anything. So, and Phil, are are you one of these guys? What happens if a little cute four year old knocks on your door and wants uh, to trick or treat? Do you give them uh, candy? What do you do, Phil? There it is, the bozo. Well, that was Scott. Is, Scott, did you just do that? I sent yeah. you the photo. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I got to see this. Well, Scott, um, you, you need the makeup. Man. You, you got to have the makeup. Oh, well, that, that's 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 what I need some time to go do. Or that do, was a class. A, uh, oh, that's crazy. Okay. I'm posting this on Instagram right now. On Instagram right now at Surviving the Survivor. If you follow me on Instagram at Surviving the Survivor, you're going to see Scott Duffy right now. Right now. Not in a second. I have, I have right a now. wig. I have everything. I got that. Oh, okay. Well, that's the picture we want to see. Yeah. Okay. Send us that. Send us some pictures. Uh okay. I just shared Dom's mom. It's already on uh, Instagram. Phil, um, any final thoughts on this shortened, abbreviated Great Scott at your true crime, Phil, this Friday? It's the shortest we've gone in years. We've only been doing it a few months. But uh, any final thoughts, Phil? And will you forgive me for the late start? Even yes. though you're late. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, final thoughts, Phil. Well, final thoughts. I mean, these these types of events always provoke a, a lot of emotion on on both sides of it. And I would just say that, and, and uh, this is this this gets uh, those on the other side all worked up as well. But I think what is important is that uh, our prayers go out to the families that have been affected by this, that community, that department, the detectives that are working this case. Bortak, the FBI, all these guys that are are vested in this to find this evil doer and bring him to justice, if that's if that's possible. So, um, I just wish them all Godspeed and uh, and pray for a uh, for a hedge of protection around them as they search for this guy. Mm. Um, Teresa Gawet off the subject. I saw Scott Duffy on unsolved mysteries last night about the Jack Wheeler mysterious missing case in 2010. Was that in fact you Scott Duffy? It was. Yeah. Thanks for watching Teresa Scott in 10 seconds or less who, cause I knew you have to go. Who's Jack Wheeler? Uh, Jack Wheeler, a, um, the, I will say what he is known for, um, is he's the one that started, initiated, got funding for the Vietnam um, Vet Memorial, the the Vietnam Memorial in D.C. Um, and, then, and then what happened? Former Marine, everything. Just uh, unfortunately, his life got cut short. He was found dead in a landfill in Wilmington, and uh, that was uh, that was New Year's Eve. And um, he has not no 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 um, no clue. That was something that I've taken with me well into my retirement, wondering every day something missed, something that was it a murder? We don't know if it was. Do we know it was a murder? Yeah, yeah. He that that, that that's that's um, so he was murdered, but no one. There's no one has ever been caught for the crime. 
Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and does it still roll around your head? You said it does. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, these things you were, you were trying to figure out what was anything missed? Was anybody not interviewed? Was something this was something that a lot of, mm-hmm. um, a lot of theories. That was the problem with this case. We couldn't not sh- want, shut down one theory of the case. Mm-hmm. Like it, there were just too many, too many plausible scenarios. Well, uh, Phil, when do you come back stateside here? Well, well, you're in the States, but you know what I mean? The mainland, the mainland. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, come- I'm in the United States, Joel. Yeah, um, sort of. When do you come back? I will be landing in Houston, Texas on November the 2nd. Wow. Which is next, what, Thursday? Phil says he always gets a little upset when he's leaving, so uh, you can't wait to come back. And yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Um, give Nugget a kiss on her little lips for us. Um, let's see if Come we here. get a quick. Come here. Come here. Come here. I love when Phil does a dog Come voice. Here. Scott's Come like, here. I got to go. Um, let's see if she comes. Come, get a quick, come on, Nugget, you lazy. Jump off that couch. You can do that. Tat, what, look at that. Tail. The tail's going. Like Mount Everest for Nugget. Come here, little big dog. Good girl, Nugget. Here's my little big dog. How's her breath? Is her breath okay? Yeah, we give her little mints. I like dog breath. I don't mind it. I mind human breath. But on that note, Love you, America. Love you, Delaware, Pennsylvania, the Big Island, Hawaii, which is part of America, Houston, Texas, Lewiston, Maine, Tasmania, the Republic of Ireland. There was a new place that was really crazy that I can't remember now, so I'll just say Bangladesh and, of course, Israel. Until next time. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.